0: The title of this message today would be Finish the Race, and I have one scripture for you today. It's two verses long, so we should get out here pretty quick, right? 2 Timothy 4, that was a joke, y'all didn't even laugh. You're going to be dry all day, right? You know I'm a participatory preacher, and if I get to talking fast, that makes me spit, right? That's why I try to stay back here. I don't come out there amongst you, so, so work with me here a little bit. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7 says, this is Paul talking. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to Timothy. Everybody thinks Timothy wrote the book of Timothy. People, a lot of people think that, right? It's a common misconception. But Paul wrote the book, both the books of Timothy, writing back to encourage young Timothy, who was pastor a young pastor of a church of 50,000 people. And Paul was in prison at this time getting ready to be beheaded, right, for, for serving God and for walking all over Asia and starting churches in, in, in three years and, and all the things that happened. There. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. So we're going to title this message today, Finish the Race. Are you prepared to finish the race today? Paul was confident in saying that he had, that he had fulfilled the call in his life. He was confident in knowing that he was going to heaven. Maybe you preached my message during Sunday school this morning. God switched it up. I talked to you about this some last night. I didn't read the Sunday school lesson today for, the, for, for you. You see the similarities here. This is just uh, uh, what God gave me. It's, it's when I was getting confirmation this morning during Sunday school. So he was confident in saying that he was faithful to finish his call. Can you say that? Confidently say that you're on your way to heaven and that you've, you've ran the race? and that you're, you, you, you've stepped out in the call, and that you're living the call to the fullest extent that God called you into? Can we confidently say the same thing, just like, just like Paul does? Uh, Thus, he faced death calmly because he knew there was a reward, right? He knew he was going to be rewarded by Jesus Christ. That's why he was so calm, and he wasn't freaking out, saying, Oh, no, come get me out of here. Break me out. Do whatever you can, c- can to, to, to make this happen, right? He just, he just accepted it and said, I'm getting ready to be poured out as a drink offering. They're getting ready to be behead me. But I know there's going to be a reward in Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to reward me for what I did. Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay. Mm -hmm. Is your life preparing you for death? Is your life preparing you for death? That's what we have to look forward to all the time, right? We're all going to die. Do you share Paul's confidence that when you do pass away, that when you do pass over, not pass away, but when you do pass over, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Are you following me? Immediately. Just like that. There's no lag time. You're going to know. As soon as you breathe out that last breath, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but as soon as you breathe out that last breath, you know. You know where you're going to. Are you confident in that this morning? Are you ready for that this morning? Everybody's going to do it. Doesn't matter how old you are. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, everybody as sure as you're breathing air, you're going to die. Are you prepared for that today? Is your life that you're living preparing you to go down that road? Preparing you with that confidence that you know where you're going. You know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven to, be, to, be, uh, uh, to, to receive a reward. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that? Good news is the reward's not just for, just for giants of faith like Paul. It's not just for men who made it in the Bible. It's for anybody. Anybody who, who's eagerly awaiting and preparing the, coming, the second coming of Christ. Yeah. Are you following me? Eagerly. <laughs> eagerly. Because if you're not eager about this, then you're probably not really ready. Are you following me? Because if you're just hum hoing along, right? If you're just trying to get to heaven, not to make it to hell, if you're not stepping out the call that God puts on your life, yeah. are you following me? If you just came to church today because you always come to church on Sundays, right, you're probably not ready. You're not eagerly awaiting the call of God. You're not eagerly waiting his time to come back. So this week I got busy. Um, we went to Oklahoma. You all know. Most of you all know. We went to Oklahoma on Monday. We were up till five thirty in the morning on Monday, Tuesday morning. I mean to say, we went to bed. Wednesday, I took two Bibles with me. Three days, I didn't crack open either one of those Bibles, and that's not like me. I usually read my Bible about every day. I get in my Word and I study my Word, and I have my own personal relationship with God, as well as I had to prepare to preach to you. Are you following me? So I didn't know what I was going to preach about, and, and, and we ended up with a granddaughter. Had Matilda, we came back, went to camp the next night. I knew what I was going to preach about this. It, it hit me driving down the road in Oklahoma, right outside the hospital. It hit me to, to, to preach this message today. So Matilda came in Oklahoma this week, and I, I got the title of Grandpa, and I wasn't really ready for the title of Grandpa. <laughs> I wasn't really ready for the title of Grandpa, but when I was sitting there looking at her and I was talking to her and I said, hey, little girl, I'm your Grandpa. And she was looking at me out of the corner of her eye, which is a shrier—it's a shrier trait, if you all don't know that, to look out of the corner of your eye at someone. So when she was sitting there looking at me out of the corner of her eye, it made it all okay. We were we was all good with it then, right? So I got to thinking about this when this was going on. and this, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So I'm not just telling you my story this week, but, but I got to thinking about the generations there. My mom was there. I was there. Shelby was there. That's my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter. Matilda was there. This brand new little baby was there. She was there. Four generations of people from the youngest to the oldest. My mom's the oldest generation now. All, all of my grandparents and my great aunts and uncles and all of them, they're all, they're all gone. I'm the second oldest generation of my family now. It pains me to say that. Are you following me? At 44 years old. So all these generations, and I was looking at pictures when we got back about This is where this message was birthed at. I was looking at pictures when we got back. There was a picture of me and Shelby. Brenda brought it out and showed it to me. A picture of me and Shelby in 1995. I was holding her. I was 21 years old. I had a mullet. Yeah. I did. It was a sweet mullet. Shorty long back for those You know what that is. But I was 21 years old, and I was holding this little baby girl. And then she has a picture of me holding Matilda in 2018. I was 44 years old in that picture. Looking back on it, it doesn't seem like 23 years ago. It passed just like that. It was over just like that. It doesn't seem that far away. Some of y'all can relate to this. Young people, time goes real slow for you. But hold on a minute, it goes quick. Hold on to those years and cherish those years. So James 4:14 4, says, "Life is like a, a vapor. Your life is so delicate." When I think about a vapor, I think about, this is what it brings to mind for me, and I don't know if I'm correcting this or not, but you know how the heat comes up off the asphalt? It's summertime here, 100 degrees in the Midwest, and the heat comes up off the asphalt. That's, that's, that's like a, what a vapor would be to me. So a wind can blow, and that vapor blows away. It's gone. Never to be, that, another vapor might come along, but that vapor there will never be seen again. We only have this life here for a little while. We're only here for a short period of time. You can look at it and see it through the generations in your family if you look at it like that. You were only here for a short period of time. We only have one life to live. You don't get a second go-around of this deal. This is it right here, babe. What you're living in and what you're doing with this thing right here, this is all you're going to get. This is all it's going to be is what you make of it on this go-around right here. Make the best of it. Do the best you can with it. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. Young people, you might think, well, I'm young. I don't have to do this. I don't have to deal with that yet. My vapor is going strong. I got all these years out ahead of me. My wife said in Sunday school this morning, I preached a sermon of a 19-year-old boy last year. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. Not one of you is guaranteed tomorrow. Things happen with our bodies. Accidents happen. God could step out on the, Jesus can step out on the cloud before I finish preaching the sermon. It'll be over, bam, like that. You don't know. No one is guaranteed the next five minutes. Nobody is. We have one life to live. Jesus gave up the ghost. Jesus died. Everybody's going to die. Jesus died. He, it says he gave up the ghost. And when he, we're talking about he gave up the ghost, I'm talking about death here. When Jesus gave up the ghost, it was saying that he breathed his last breath. Mm-hmm. When you exhale that last breath out of your body, your spirit and your soul comes out of your body, mm-hmm. separated forever. It's not going back into that body. And every once in a while, somebody might get CPR and it comes back for a little bit. But, but when, you're, when, you're, when your last breath comes out, that's it. Yeah. That's it. People think of that as a sad thing, but, but to be absent with the Lord is, I mean, be absent with your body is present with the Lord. So yeah. if I don't, if I'm not in this body, I'm over there with him yeah. or I'm in hell. Right. One or the other. You'll know immediately because as soon as that last breath comes out of your body immediately, heaven or hell. Yeah. Where have you prepared your soul to go? Your body's going back to the dirt. This flesh right here, this body is going to the dirt no way around that. It's biblical. That's what it says. Body's going back to the dirt. Your spirit's going back to God because he's the one who gave it. Your soul is either going to go to heaven or hell. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Write these down and go back and read them. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is immediately. Immedi- it doesn't say you stop by McDonald's. doesn't say you go over there and get you something to eat first. Does it? It says when you're absent from the body, when that last breath comes out, you're present with the Lord. Bam. Immediately. Immediately. There's no time where God lives at, right? He's way somewhere far out there. Where we can't even find him yet. We measure time. We measure distance in light years. That's nothing for God. That's nothing for God. We're talking about the God who spoke and the whole world came into existence. Are you following me? It's going to be immediate. Heaven or hell. Heaven or Hell. Luke sixteen twenty six. You think you, you think I don't know what I'm talking about here? It's biblical. I looked it up for you. Luke sixteen twenty six says there's a great chasm fixed. Remember that? No one can cross the great chasm. So it was it was uh, uh, Lazarus, who died a beggar, was in heaven. He he was in the Abraham bosom, or he was in the bosom of Abraham. Are you following me? Yes. Makes sense. You all know the story, right? But the rich the rich young man who wouldn't give anything into Lazarus, or wouldn't help take care of Lazarus, left him outside to eat with the dogs. He went to hell. There was a great chasm fixed there. No one can cross over. No one can cross over. You get that? So it's the choice you make here while you're on earth. It's the choice you make here before that last breath comes out of your body. We all have a choice to make. We've all got to make that choice here in time. Because once you breathe that last breath out, it's immediate. Heaven or hell. Instantly. Instantly you'll know where you've gone. Life is a great gift from God. I don't mean this to sound depressing or down or any of that stuff. I'm going somewhere else. I just, need to, I just need to explain to you what your life is, how long you're going to be here, and how just delicate that you are, that we are. It's not just you. We're delicate beings. We, our life could be snuffed out in an instant. Do you get that? Life is a great gift from God. It's a gift from God. You are only here. I am only here because God chose us to be here. He knew, the be- he knew the end from the beginning. He knew how many hairs I was going to have on my head before I was born. And if I don't shave, I do have hairs on my head. He knew how many was going to be there. He knew how many hairs were going to be on Kate's head before she was ever born. Before he even formed the earth, he chose you to be in a relationship with him. So it's only because he chose you to have you here in 2018, sitting in this church here in Grace Family, that you're even sitting here today breathing the air that you're breathing. It's his air anyway. It's his breath. He can stop it from going into your body anytime he'd like. Anytime he chooses. Are you following me? We're delicate. It's only because he chose us. So what will you do with your gift from God? What will you do with your life that he's given you so graciously? It's a gift from God, right? So what will you do with it? What will people remember about you? Think about it like this. What will people remember about you? Well, they remember, well, he was pretty well off. He, he had a really nice car. They had a big fancy house. Oh, he was really well-built, big muscles. Is that what they'll remember of us? She's pretty good-looking, right? They're good parents. Oh, he was a really honest man, honest Abe, right, one of our presidents. What will they remember of you? Paul had a reputation, but Paul also had a legacy. That's what I want to talk to you about today here, finish, finish in the race, right? So his reputation was because Paul was a very educated man. Are you following me? He studied under some of the best scholars of his time. Had a master's, a doctor's degree, if you will. Are you following me? He knew the first five books of the Bible by the time he was 12 years old by heart. First five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Let me just look this right here. Deuteronomy, that's only Deuteronomy. There we go. He could recite that much of the Bible by heart. Just pop it off to you. By heart. By heart. This, were his, this was his education, his accomplishments. He accomplished these things in the natural. Are you following me? The things that we do, the reputations that we have, we accomplish in the natural. We have a job to gain the money that we have or it's inherited. You get what I'm saying? If you want big muscles, you go to the gym. If you want to be a, a good parent, you read and study and you, and you learn things about being a parent. And you, do, and you apply those things, you do the best you can with those things. And it goes on and on and on. Whatever your reputation is, you've earned that reputation and those accomplishments and, and, and educated yourself on those things for that manner, right? You made that yourself. But the legacy, the legacy that Paul lived, the, peg, the legacy that Paul lived on still lives on today, or that he left still lives on today. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Are you You understand that? How much of of, of our Bible, how much of our covenant? Testament means covenant or deal. That's the deal that we live under. He wrote down, he penned down from God, directly from God. God gave him the words, not just an idea or a thought that he went on and wrote on his own, but God gave him the words to write down in this book right here that became the Bible. Are you following me? Talk about a legacy being used by God, right? It lives on today on how all of his accomplishments and his educational things aren't what people remember him by, though. They remember him on how God used him. Mm-hmm. He went walked all over Asia in three years, did he not? Starting churches because that's what he was called to do. He started the, the, the new church, the new age of the, the church of what we're in right now. That was started by Paul way back when. The other disciples too, but they didn't. They weren't as active in it in the Bible, and all those things. They may have been as active in it, but they weren't. It wasn't written as much about as Paul is. So, so me when I, when I, I God gave me this, what do you want God to? What do you want people to remember you by this? By what do you want people to remember you by? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I want them to remember me as a godly man. When somebody thinks of Forest Shire, I want them to think he was a godly man when he's dead. Right, godly man. I mean, close to God. He was close to God. He was prayed up all the time. When we called him to pray, he prayed. He showed up where he needed to show up at. He was anointed. The preaching was anointed. He was wise because of God's wisdom, not because of anything that I am, but because of the wisdom of God. Think about Solomon, how he was and how wise he was. He asked God for wisdom, and it wasn't because he was the widest, wisest man on the planet. But it, because, it wasn't because of his natural wisdom or what he had gained on his own. It was because God's wisdom came through him. It wasn't because he was smart smart, as Grace would say. Grace always tells us she's smart smart. So think about all the things in our lives. All the things in our lives, whether it's our work, our hobbies, our family, our sleep. That's one of my favorites is sleep. I love to take naps when I can. Our friends, our possessions, the ministry, whatever it is, God has to be number one. Is God number one in your life? Ask yourself that today. You don't have to answer me, but ask yourself today. Is God number one in your life? Think about your life as a big circle. The outer part of a wagon wheel. You've all seen a wagon wheel, right? It's got that steel band around the outside. Some of them do. That's your life. The whole thing is. And inside there, we have all those things. We have our work, our hobbies, our family, our sleep, our friends, our possessions, our ministry. If you have anything else in your life, throw it in there. Some of us have addictions, whatever it might be, throw it in there. We value every one of those things in certain amounts. But then we have all those things inside there, and then we try to throw God in there and get him to fit in with everything else. It doesn't work that way. God has to be the center. He's got to be that hub right there in the middle of that wheel. If he's the center and we put him right in the middle, then he's the hub. And the spokes are the things in life, our work. If everything is around him, as God the center, is the center of it, everything else has to revolve around God. Not him revolve around everything else. Are you following me? Does that make sense? Will we finish the race today, church? Will we finish the race today? Race today? I urge you, don't let one day pass by without developing your relationship with God. We're all going to pass by just like that vapor. We can't afford to take a day off. We can't afford to put something else first for a day. I, I'm not saying it's wrong to do other things. It's not wrong to go down and enjoy your, dan, your granddaughter in Oklahoma. It's not wrong to work on a car. It's not wrong to play golf. It's not wrong to have hobbies. It's not wrong to have a job or families. None of those things are wrong. But God has to be the center. Amen. God's got to be the center. and all those if, if those things are keeping you out of church, now there's a problem with those things. If those things are keeping you away from being able to read your Bible, now there's a problem with those things. We've got to get God as the center of that hub right there. I urge you today, don't let let one day pass by without developing this relationship with God. We can't get that time back. You can't get it back. If you waste a day and you don't spend time with God, you'll never get that day back. Are you following me? It has to be something, our relationship has to be something we pour into day after day after day after day, day in to day out. We never get that time back. Those years that I lost in my life before I came to God are wasted. Wasted. 35 years. Think about how many people might have been saved. Now, God deals with, with people. Some of you all wouldn't have heard me if I hadn't lived to where I, I, I lived at before. But 35 years. Think about how many more people might have been saved. How many more people God might have used me to minister to. Are you following me? Yeah. 35 years. Wasted. I'll never get that time back. Don't say, I'm young. I'll do it tomorrow. You're not guaranteed that. Part-time Christians may not finish the race. Part-time Christians lack confidence when faced with death. Know for sure that you're ready. Know for sure that you're 100% ready. You see, most things, when they tell you gold's pure, they only say it's 99.987 or something like that, percent pure. Do you want to take a chance on your eternity? 99.8, Is there? if there's point zero 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 three. if there's any chance, a shadow of a doubt in your mind, then you're probably not ready. Right. We've probably been part-timing. We've probably been in a spiritual law somewhere. I got in a spiritual law this week. It's, there's no shame in falling down. I've said this since the beginning. There is no shame at all in falling down. The shame is if you don't get back up and do something with yourself. Church, I know that God just did give this to me today, for me. Could I get every head bowed at this time? If this is you today, and you're in a spiritual law, if this message spoke to you, you're in a spiritual law, you're not prepared 100%. Could I see your hand? Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands all over the place. Maybe you're not ready to know God today. Maybe you haven't been saved, or maybe you have been saved, and it's been a while. Maybe that's you today. If you're in the first group of people and and you've been in church but you're just here because it's Sunday and and, and maybe you're in a spiritual law, make a new commitment with God today. I urge you to make a new commitment with God today. Don't let one more day pass by that you don't build that relationship, that you don't reach out to him, that you don't spend time in his word, that you don't pray with him. You see, you can do it going down the road. I could have prayed to God going down the road. Are you following me? I, I, I did turn on my audio Bible going down the road. I just didn't spend the time like I wanted to. Are you following me? We can make time for God, right? Nothing's more important than Him. If you're in the second group of people, maybe you, maybe you haven't made a commitment to God, or maybe it's been a long time. Could we go ahead and, and just pray together today? Church, would you repeat after me? Father, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on a cross for my sin. I know you rose Him from the dead. I know He's coming back for me someday. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Let's go ahead and close the prayer if we could. Daddy, we thank you for this day, Lord. Father, I pray that you would quicken this church, Lord, quicken this whole church, Father God, me included, Father God, quicken us this week, Lord, and beyond this week even, Lord, but but I pray that you would quicken us, Father God, to, to continue to press into you, Lord, to seek after you, Lord, to, to, to stretch and to strive to get to the next level with you, Lord, spiritually I'm talking about, Father. Lord, we need more of you, Father. We need a fire shut up in our bones, Lord, that we cannot contain, Father God, whenever, whenever the wind blows, Lord, it just spreads everywhere, Lord. We need the kind of church, Lord, that the enemy is scared of, Father God, because we're close to you today daddy. Lord, we want to be ready and confident, Father God, when we're faced with death, Father God, but not just at the end of our life. Lord, we want to be ready and confident all the days of our life, Father God, that you would use us, daddy, that people around us, Lord, would see the way that we live, Lord, because of you, Father God, and come to you, Lord, and fall to you, Father God, that, that, that they would be saved, Lord, and, and, and join your army, Daddy. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Father. I pray that you would do this for us today, Father, and I pray that you would keep us safe, Lord, until our next appointed time here, Daddy. Bring us back here on Wednesday, Father God, with a guest, Lord. Lord, we pray for the people who aren't here today, Lord, the ones who are sick or couldn't make it out for whatever reason or the other, Father. I pray that you would just continue to, to convict and convince, Lord, and draw them near to you, Lord. Heal them if they need healed, Lord. Give them peace, Lord, and comfort and joy, Lord, and victory, Father God. And Lord, blessing, Father God, we pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Have your way in our lives today, Daddy. Amen.